Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. So today is one of those really special nights in a sense, just because we are nearing the end of our night season. And knowing that the night season is preparation, in a sense, is where we're receiving uh, insight and dreams and aspiration, direction, training. There's so much that we gain through our night season to prepare us to move into the day season so we can go. And just to be even aware that there's such a thing as, as a night and a day season, that, that kingdom operates in a system that if we align with it, we have accelerated growth. Yeah. Yeah. And so in recognition of that, uh, today you're going to notice, um, I mean, we always have trading cash. And, and just what uh, trading is simply as these things are dropped uh, that meet your spirit, things that make sense, whether I need that or whether I have a testimony of that, or whatever it is, it's an opportunity to make a physical transaction of what's happening in the spirit. And so the dollar amount doesn't necessarily make a difference as much as the action of doing something, the action of that is important to me, or that is my story. And so I know the atmosphere has changed from when we were in the building to when we're here, and there's a, a heightened level of intimacy. I, I, I personally, and I've heard a lot of testimonies of people loving it in the house, and knowing that the, the early church, this is how they did it. Like this is not, this is closer to original intent than it's comfortable for most, and, and so the opportunity to trade in when you when you hear or see the thing that you need in your life uh the buckets are placed around and ellen does have cash correct yeah ellen still has cash if anybody need hasn't gotten trading cash or needs to uh and this is different than uh tithe or 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 offering this is something to tie yourself to a promise tie yourself to something you need um this will be the last teaching night of the night season. So there has been a lot dispensed. It's yeah. been very empowering uh, for myself. It, it's been something that I, I compared it before as a, a legend to read a map or a way to see, uh, in a sense, align what I, how to understand his word and how to understand it correctly. We, we've come to the recognition that there's good but then there's truth and that if we don't pursue truth good has the potential to rob us from truth and so being a family that pursues truth to know uh, it was so refreshing to hear Rebecca has shared a testimony of her reading uh, Matthew 5 and just reading it like she was reading it for the first time and reading the words and what each word means and, and that's what we as a family are encouraging that you you read it to know like when it sounds or feels weird that we don't dismiss it that we dig right there is the moment to dig like why like why is that it's not something to look lightly upon there's something there it was written and so the the recognition of 
of what Paul's life really was. Uh, even just to see that where he was literally, I mean, commissioned and sent. Like that's not something I had been, I had seen before. I had never heard or seen of these things. And so the the power in what's being dispensed here, there there is very, uh, very in a sense rich soil, but there's there's a lot to grasp. So uh, I love seeing notebooks. Seeing uh, there's so much that we can dig into, and then. Ellen spends a lot of time on the podcast. I highly encourage, like, during work, I, I mean, it's easier for me. I work in a shop, so I can throw earbuds in and I can just listen. Yeah. But there's so much more that I grasp each time, almost like a different yeah. layer. Uh, there's a deeper recognition of, of something that I heard one way and I get to hear another way. So I challenge you guys to continue pressing in. Uh, we are a family that's not settling to just hear a word from somebody, but we're a family that does look to actively become capable teachers, capable disciples that could move, can can have a conversation of the truth that we know, not so that, a truth that somebody said, but a truth that we know for us. Amen. This is what I know when I read this. This is what I see. How do you see it differently? And so, really grateful for uh, all that mom and dad have dispensed for opening their home every week and, and for. Uh, there's a lot of preparation that goes into this, and even just to dispense weekly, I, I feel is very humbling to to see what they put uh, as important for us. So, uh, with that, how's everybody doing? I'm like a little nervous tonight because uh, we just haven't prepared like we usually do, so, <laughs> so, uh, like we just had no time the last few days to prepare for today, but, um, I think tonight is going to be, uh, a continuation of last week on not so much a reflection and overview of the night season, but a continued conversation on how to properly transition and how to how to posture ourselves for the season that's coming. Um, and we'll talk about it kind of practically, and then uh, I believe I have what I would call a prophetic directive, kind of a warning, kind of a, a prophetic preparation for everybody here moving forward into the day season. Um, and that prophetic word is it's kind of it's kind of a dynamic that that Tanya and I have carried that has carried us to this point like this this right here is a manifestation or a fruit of of this dynamic that I believe Yahweh is saying this needs to be given as a directive to the greater family going into the day season so um and then we'll kind of talk about some other practical things of what the day season is going to kind of look like for the family. So um, one of the things I, I wanted to share tonight was that we've been talking about the difference or the distinction between what's good and what's true. If something's not true, it, could, it might be nice, might be good, but it cannot be true. So there, there's, a, there's a fine line and we have to really exercise our discernment between those two things. If I lay $200 bills before everybody and one is 
real and genuine and one is counterfeit, you have to really exercise discernment, right? right? You have to go through a process to figure out what do I even look for to distinguish between the two. But that's a very one-dimensional dynamic that the Holy Spirit dispensed. And I want to take it to another dimension tonight or take it a step forward that if something's laying before you and you exercise your discernment between something you're looking at, that's different than discernment in the unseen realm. Um, and I'll get in. I'll get into that here in a minute. But I, there's going to be. We need to be at a place where we're hungry to be able to be at a place to make that distinction between what's good and what's true. I think that when your hunger wanes or when your hunger runs out or when life is just busy or hard or whatever and you're just like, I don't have time to be hungry, right? That's when your discipline should kick in and you should do those things anyway, right? Because I don't want to elevate hunger so much that it's like we just got to be hungry, we got to be hungry. That should be the thing that temporarily carries you, right? But discipleship and discipline is the thing that's going to keep you hungry essentially that'll be a byproduct of being disciplined right so as disciples going into the day season we need to have a mindset of if we're in the early stages let's say of hunger or that's a new concept or we're really we're really diving into what it looks like or means to be hungry for the word the end goal for that should be to establish a discipline Right? How many days does it take to create a habit? Like 21. Right? If you can stay hungry for 21 days, you'll begin to be disciplined. Right? And that's something that I want us to really um, strive for. Like if you don't read your word, just start start where you're at. Start small. If you don't pray like you should, start small. You know, like start getting hungry for those things to build discipline. Um, as we transition into the day season, there's going to be, and this is this is what I'm starting to feel is a prophetic direction for the family, is that we're, what we're witnessing in the world right now, and this is nothing new, but the level of darkness is getting more and more pervasive to where when I see craziness, like absolute, utter craziness on the news or whatever, it doesn't even surprise me. It's not even shocking. None of it is shocking on, on any level, on any scale, from any angle. Whatever it's concerning, none of it is shocking to me anymore. Um, and I think that it's to the point to where, right, when, when we're seeking truth, we'll be called crazy or insane or criticized for seeking the truth because that's how backwards things are. If you don't line up with absolute darkness, you're the crazy one. Okay? Now, I think that this prophetic dynamic that I'm, I'm going to dispense to you guys has carried mom and I through the last 20 years to this place. And I believe that what the Holy Spirit highlighted today was that this family and the path that we're on is a standard. It is a standard that's representative of him and his kingdom. And the reason why I think that is because as I was reflecting today and I was thinking about this dynamic that we've carried or that's carried us, however you want to look at it, 
it has gotten us to this point, and it reminds me of um, Isaiah 59:19. I'm going to read that. Um, if I just read it out of ESV, it's a little more familiar. It says, so, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And it was like this verse is describing this prophetic direction that I'm going to describe to you guys and how it works and how we should be as disciples, as a kingdom heirs family, we should be appropriating this into our own life and actively thinking like this and walking like this every day, every day, because it's going to carry you through to the other side of the darkness. Okay. If I read it in, um, in the tree of life version it says, so from the West, they will fear the name of Adonai and his glory from the rising of the sun. Now, this is interesting, and this is something that Apostle Tanya has taught on for years. It says, for he will come in like a rushing stream. Right? So it's almost like when we read it, they put the comma in the wrong place. Right? It says, when the enemy shall come in, comma, like a flood, he will raise up a standard. And he is raising, I'm telling you, he is raising this family, he's raising this house up like a flood as a standard to to confront the enemy so I want you guys to know that you guys are a standard you're we're like a flag waving in a in a sea of darkness okay a standard sometimes is kind of a, a subjective uh, idea but a standard literally one of the definitions is a flag is a standard so you know you raise a flag you can see what's being represented there um, now what's interesting is what happens when there's corruption right the corruption is so pervasive right now it's so prevalent and what happens and you see this pattern throughout the word is that when there is utter corruption there's regeneration Right before we were, uh, before we encountered Yeshua or He encountered us, our life was corrupt. Right, corruption is death. The wages of sin is death. That's the corruption process that sin introduces into your life. Right. So there's corruption, and He regenerates you. He He births you again. You're born again. You're regenerated. And you see this pattern throughout the word where there's corruption that's so prevalent, he regenerates everything. Okay, so I want to turn to Genesis 6, and we're going to read through this. And then I want to talk about this uh, prophetic direction that I want everybody to, like, absorb it into the fiber of your being. Because I'm telling you, this dynamic has carried us for the last 20 years to now. And that's why I know this family's a standard because of how this, how this operates. Okay. Now in Genesis 6, I mean, you see it in Genesis 3, there's corruption, right, with, with the serpent coming in and introducing the lie about what you can eat, even though the father said, don't eat this, right, introduced corruption into the garden, and there's regeneration there, there's a regeneration aspect there. In Genesis chapter 6, you have Noah in the story of him building the ark, okay? 
I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, Then Adonai saw that the wickedness of humankind was great on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their heart was only evil all the time. I feel like that that is what is happening right now. Like, it is just straight evil everywhere you look. So Adonai regretted that he made humankind on the earth. Can you imagine? He regretted that he made humankind on the earth, and his heart was deeply pained. I feel like Yahweh is so deeply pained with what's going on just across the scale right now. So Adonai said, I will wipe out humankind whom I have created from the face of the ground, from humankind to livestock, crawling things, and flying creatures of the sky, because I regret that I made them. But Noah found favor in Adonai's eyes. I, I feel strongly that's this family. That's you. You guys have found favor. We have found favor in his eyes. Okay? It says Noah found favors in his eyes. These are the genealogies of Noah. It talks about him being righteous and blameless among his generation. So there's cycles, right? There's generations with every... Uh, with every new birth, there's a new generation. When it says he was righteous and blameless, what do you think that's... How is Yahweh defining him as righteous and blameless according to what? The Torah. The Torah, right? You, you're righteous because you're not lawless, right? So he's he's been found righteous and blameless. How does he was, that work before the Torah was just listening to him, right? Yeah, and we can, we can, all, we can get to that says, he was blameless among his generation. Noah continually walked with God. Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was ruined before God, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was ruined, because all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Okay, so what you have is utter corruption to where the Creator is saying, I regret creating this because they have just fully corrupted Right? They're just doing evil, whatever their heart inclines, they're doing evil, and it's covering the face of the earth to where he's just going to wipe the entire earth clean of the corruption. Right, But he found one man in his household who was righteous and blameless before the Lord, and he gives him instruction. And this is what I'm talking about. When we talk about the distinction between what's good and what's true, that's, that's what we can see before you. That's in the visual realm. Right? It's a one-dimensional thing. Which one of these is good and which one of these is true? In this scenario, Yahweh finds a righteous and blameless man and he gives him instructions about something that he can't see. He tells him to build a vessel that he's going to enter into that will carry him to the other side of something that he can't see. Nobody else can see it. Nobody else knows it. There's never been rain on the face of the earth. It's nothing that anybody's ever seen, and he instructs Noah to build something to endure something that nobody's ever seen. Okay? So in addition to the elementary distinction between what's good and what's true, this should be elementary. For us, this will be elementary that, nope, yes, that's good, but that's not true. We're going to be able to spot that a mile away. Okay, what we need to advance to and what will carry you, what has carried us the last 20 years, what has carried us to this place 
to see this fruit and what will carry all of us through the next day season when everything is fully corrupt, so much so that Yahweh has to destroy it all. What will carry you is being able to be faithful to the unseen. You could watch the news, you could find out, you can go on YouTube, you can get information overload all day long. It's right there, it's visible, you can see it, right? We can get all of our information about whatever. We're overwhelmed with information. I don't care about any of that. What I want you guys to know is that there's an unseen realm, and if we're righteous and blameless, and Yahweh finds us because of that, and he decides to give us instructions about what to do about something that nobody's ever seen, okay? If he can do that, then he's going to create a vessel for you to enter into to navigate your way through all of that and find yourself on the other side, okay? Now, what does it mean to have faith like Noah, okay? I mean, a lot of this night season, we talked about, okay, what's our identity, what is uh, what is the corruption element in Christianity? What? How do you handle it when your faith has been corrupted? How do you handle that? Right? We've been talking about that, and how now th- you can see how I'm taking it to another place because it's not just okay. Let's look at the things presented before us and let's go through it and distinguish what's good and true. I'm talking about when Yahweh shows Diana something that nobody has ever seen or heard of in the history of the world. And you have to have faith in that thing that you've never seen and nobody's ever seen but Yahweh told you. Okay? Now what does that look like to have faith in the unseen? That means that when Yahweh finds you, because of how you've positioned yourself out of obedience, right? Not because you've sacrificed so much, because you obeyed him, right? He values obedience over sacrifice, okay? When he finds you in a place because of your obedience, and you're righteous and blameless in his sight, and he decides to give you his word on how to come out on the other side and how to navigate a world that is so filled with corruption that he can't stand it anymore, what does it look like to have faith in that? Okay? It sounds nice to say he had faith in the unseen. What that really means is he was loyal to what Yahweh told him. He was committed to what Yahweh told him. He was committed to something that he couldn't even describe to anybody without sounding insane. Right? Nobody had ever seen rain or flooding at this point in the history of the earth. Nobody, nobody had seen a need for what he was building. I, I so relate to this. I feel like nobody, when I describe the path or the vision or the direction that he has set us on, it's like nobody sees the value in what's being built. How how committed are you when what Yahweh is telling you to build? He's telling you to take your house. Man, it weighs heavy on a on the on the the leader of a house to say, "Family, this is what we're doing." You I'm making I'm subjecting my family, 
my household to this, to the criticism and the the mockery or whatever he endured because he was building something that nobody saw the value or the logic in. It didn't make sense according to what everybody could see. Right? Right. So what he told Noah was, you need to build an ark. What's interesting is you see this pattern of corruption and regeneration through arks all throughout the word. When Moshe, right, the vehicle of deliverance for the people of Israel was a baby, he was, when you look at the definition of an ark, that's exactly what he was placed in as a baby. That woven basket of bulrushes is the same word as Noah's ark. It's the same word. A vehicle of deliverance. You have water, you have flooding, you have an ark, and you have deliverance. Now, what I'm telling the family is that what has brought us to this point in this living room right now is that Yahweh had said, build a family. Not that family sounds, right, family on its face. Yeah, cool, yeah, everybody, yeah, family's good, right? Everybody would agree with that. But when you're... When you're a church and you're interjected into the, the, um, the church culture and the way things are done and you're not doing the you're not checking off the, the A, B and C list of of tradition or the things that you should be doing according to tradition to tradition, then it sounds weird. Well, what do you guys do? What programs do you have? How many uh, how many new people are you baptizing? How many people came to the altar call, right? And it's like, he didn't tell us to do any of that. He said, build a family for the coming time when there will be so much corruption and the darkness will be so pervasive that the family that I called you to build will be the vessel that will deliver you to the other side of the darkness, I'm, Come on. I mean, I'm looking at faces right now, and I know the testimonies of, like, the family is the vessel that was built, that you stepped into, that got you to the other side yeah. of the darkness that you were facing. Come on, right, Gabe? Yeah. Come on. I'm, and it's not, I'm not picking on Gabe. I, there is testimonies in this entire room of the darkness that you were facing, and there had to be a vessel of family that your household could step into. Yeah. And until peace, until that dove could descend and put its feet on the ground, until the landscape had changed yep. completely yep. to where peace, shalom, could rest its feet on the earth, then they could step out. Yeah. And I'm telling you guys, this has. there have been times where there has been a dark situation with no guidance whatsoever in this dynamic of whatever Yahweh showed us he showed us something that didn't make any sense it was in the unseen and we had to then shift our focus from everything we could see forget the visual realm forget what everything we can see right now we had to shift our focus completely away from that and solely focus so much so that we're committed to what nobody else has seen or doesn't make sense to anybody. When a marriage has been totally demolished, spouses have treated each other in a way that you would think there is no salvaging this relationship whatsoever. Even ministers would say, you know what? 
I'm gonna go ahead and put the put the stamp, and you just go ahead and you go ahead and break that covenant. Right? Pastor after minister after leader would line up and endorse that. And all of a sudden, here comes Yahweh and says, in the unseen realm, this is what that looks like. And you have to choose between everything you can see, between endorsing that or committing to what's never been seen before. To the point that you would risk criticism, mockery, you would lay your life down for it. Right? There's... There's marriages that we have had the privilege of standing in the gap with or for or getting in the trenches with. And the only thing we were committed to, not even them, the only thing we were committed to was what Yahweh showed us in the unseen realm that didn't make any sense. That has has carried us here and when he said build a family in the unseen realm and that's the vessel that you will enter into and it will when it, it says when when it when the flood comes right he will raise up a flood he will raise up a standard on a flood i'm i'm like <laughs> he will utilize destruction he will utilize something as forceful and powerful as a flood in the individual realm. But if you tap into the unseen realm, he's going to give you a vessel that will literally rise above that. So I, I, want, I want to set the course of the family as we enter the day season in one, in one aspect we we know things are dark. We and and I feel very uh, I feel very strong that this the reason why Yahweh has taken us down this path is because He had intended for us to build an ark. Where we are we are in the ark right now. This is the ark that was being built over the last. 20 years he's been leading us. It's been to build this ark, this family, this vessel, this vessel of deliverance. Something that you can get in on one side before he destroys everything and you can exit on the other side when everything is completely transformed and he intends for, for there to be righteousness and blamelessness and a family who will abide and, and focus and stay loyal to the unseen. I, this is like in the fiber of our being. Stay loyal to the unseen. That's the word for this day season. That's what I want every single one of you to internalize in the fiber of your being is that I don't care what it looks like on the surface. Do I do I want the ability to say, yes, I know the difference between good and true. They both don't look the same to me. Yes, we need that. But at the end of the day, that's elementary. We need to grasp that and move on to be able to look at the unseen and stay committed to that. Because that's what's going to carry you through the through the darkness. We're coming to a place where, um, and when I look back at the the path that we've been on and the trajectory that we've been on, it makes complete sense. 
that we would be turning a corner into this day season and you know chapter 7 says deliverance through the flood like there's a flood coming there where it's already the the flood waters are already rising right in the spirit it's like if the house is flooding the furniture is already floating <laughs> yes yes in the unseen realm globally right the the flooding is it's it's already been happening it's been happening but what's also been happening is a commitment to the unseen in this house that's been happening for the last 20 years right and i feel like it looks more like an ark than it ever has right if you could imagine noah starting to build this thing and people like what is that what is he doing right and then eventually it starts to look like a boat and they probably didn't even know what a boat was right and they're like what is this oh it's a boat what's the purpose of what does it do oh it's so we can survive the the flood from all the rain that's going to come what's rain right like they didn't know they had never seen any of that and so man when we we didn't have a chance to to really focus on tonight or think about tonight but what the holy spirit started stirring in me and this is like i can so i can it is it is in me when yahweh said the waters are going to burst forth from the earth right it's like man i i feel like we have we have lived that right because he he'll give guideposts he i can remember times when the, the proverbial flood waters were coming, so to speak, and Yahweh showed me something in the unseen realm, and I stayed committed to that, and we navigated the whole thing and came out on the other side. We, we've seen that dynamic repeatedly, and what Ruach was, was sharing today to share with the family was that we are turning a corner. There's been flooding. The flood waters are rising. The darkness is so pervasive, just like it was in Genesis 6. I think it's interesting that we're going back to the origin and he's taking a, he's he's pointing out he's pointing out dynamics in the beginning about how he dealt with corruption. That was so bad that he had to just start all over, hit the reset. I'm going to wipe everything out and I'm going to except for this one family. Right? <laughs> the family who's willing not only to say we don't know maybe we don't know at all right that's all scene realm maybe we don't know maybe everything i've been raised up but that's all the natural yeah we're willing to say you know what i want to i want to i want to equip myself or be equipped or be submitted or be discipled on how to distinguish between what's good and what's true that's all natural right we there's this supernatural acceleration that Yahweh wants to add on to that the ability to have faith in the unseen have the discernment to hear him right to be aware of him to be intimate with him to where when he decides to find you and show you something in the unseen realm that nobody has seen ever that you would have faith so much so that it's like take out the word faith and put in loyal or committed to mm. right we talked about faith is pledges exchange yeah. of loyalties when he says I'm gonna be loyal to you 
to give you a vessel of deliverance from this darkness. I'm going to be loyal to you. I'm going to be faithful to you and give you a vessel of deliverance to navigate the flood with your family. Then I'm going to, in exchange for that loyalty, I'm going to be loyal to that vision no matter what. Like, let it, when it gets crazy, when it gets crazier or craziest or whatever, I want to pop up on your shoulder and be stay loyal to the unseen. Stay committed to the unseen. I want that to echo in the back of your mind every day for this day season because it's going to get to the place to where for us to be delivered through the flood, we have to stay committed to the unseen. We have to stay committed to it long enough that we will actually build what he's asking us to build. Right? That was a long process. And I'm sure the process wasn't just the building, but the difficulty was also enduring the interactions with everybody else because they just couldn't they couldn't compute what he was doing. Right? There I I've, I've said it to a few people that, you know, with as crazy as things have, have been and how rapidly they're deteriorating, I have, I have been so excited and felt so confident looking at what Yahweh has done that it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter. Because I know if anybody, if any community right if any church is going to be able to navigate the flood or enter into something that is going to deliver them through the flood i feel confident that what yahweh has done here has been that he has given us a vessel of deliverance and that vessel is family it's community in the most genuine concentrated sense that i have ever seen we had a guy come from uh, Florida named Eric Gilmore, very um, awesome guy, awesome ministry, very powerful guy. He gave us a, a prophetic word, I don't know how many years ago, maybe like, what, eight, ten years ago? Seven, eight, I don't know, it was a long time ago. Yeah. And the sense of family, um, he shared a word with us and said, God is going to do something here that's never been seen. And to me, that's, it's this. That's the unseen. He was saying something's going to manifest into the seen realm that's unseen. Nobody's ever seen it. Right? And that's, that's the remnant. Right? I'm not, don't take me wrong like, oh, it's, like, you guys get what I'm saying. It's yeah. the remnant of standard bearers. Yeah. Right? When he talks about raising up a standard, that vessel that's being built is the mechanism to raise the standard, right? If you build out of obedience, it doesn't matter about flooding. Yeah. Flooding's not an issue if you built out of obedience. And what's going to happen when that flood gets more and more intense, right? That standard's being raised up. Right? So I can't, I can't, like... I can't stress it enough. I could yell more and I could get, you know, more crazy and pound on. I can't stress it enough. Like, it's a testimony for us because this dynamic 
that he has sharpened us in or shown us has I can I can say has been a large aspect of what has carried our family to this place over the last 20 years and for whatever reason and it makes sense to me he's he stirred and said this needs to be a, a prophetic impartation or a dynamic of understanding or a way of walking that the family has to understand in this season that we're entering into we've been in a season of darkness it's just going to get worse. It's going to be compounded. When we talk about systems, um, not relying on or taking for granted systems that we take for granted or we rely on without even thinking about it, those systems are going to crumble, right? Everything, basic, communication, phones, finances, money. What is money? What's a dollar, right? Things that we just don't even think about and our whole life is built on. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine if just cell phones were just dead, gone? What the just the utter madness yeah. that would, right? Yeah. That's just a basic example. Yeah. <laughs> we see the unseen realm a little bit more. <laughs> but I, I really want to, man, and write it down somewhere. Stay committed to the unseen. It's not just faith in like a like a vague, yeah. flowery. I've got faith, you know. It's like no, he's showing you something. He expressed his loyalty to you by showing you a vehicle of deliverance. Yeah. And in exchange for that, you're going to be loyal and committed to that vision above anything that you can see or touch. Okay. So with that, we're going <laughs> to, I mean, I, I, we felt like tonight would be relatively brief, but. Um, it's more of a <clears throat> positioning moving forward, knowing yeah. that it was a last, you know, last night of just being able to dispense, teach, call it teaching, call it, you know, there's that dispense time, things shifting as Pesach comes and. <clears throat> I know we've taught it on taught on it before, and he kind of just briefly briefly said it. But remember, in the Hebrew, there's not uh, punctuation. There's not titles, and there's not that Greek box where we like the heading and the subtitles, and then the chap like Genesis chapter three. There is none of that. It's all one story. If you guys have seen a scroll, it's just a yes. constant movement. There's no this chapter, it's not even necessarily five books. It's, you know, so it's not its not the way that we see it. So even with punctuation, you really have to see that because punctuation was entered in based on the translation of who's reading it. And English definitely has an aspect in that. The reason why I bring that up is because we are we didn't get a chance to teach it, but Paul is huge. Punctuation is put in the wrong places everywhere with Paul everywhere uh, and I was first awakened to that when I when he took me through like having to wrestle my scroll or my calling being a leader and being a woman and being told that that's not yeah. that according to Paul that's not supposed to happen mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what Yeshua did right because I woke up to just figuring out what did Yeshua say and he was the liberator of women but then trying to figure out what Paul said and it seemed like Paul was shutting down women and that's what the church used 
a lot of it comes down to pure punctuation. Not even necessarily what he said, but just the punctuation of where it's placed. So when you when you add that in, and we're talking about, did you say it was Isaiah 59? 59, you know, I've talked about that before, but the pause, you can see it when you go back to the flood. Who brought the flood? So many people would be yeah, like, the enemy took me out. Yeah. <laughs> Who brought the flood? So, uh, read, let me see the scripture again. For he will come like a rushing stream. I want to use the, this one first. Well, either way, driven along by the Ruach. <laughs> um, when the enemy shall come, right? So even in, if you look at the Tree of Life version, it's not even giving any honor to the enemy at all. For he will come like a rushing stream driven along by the Ruach. Like what? Yeah. Oh, wow. There's what a shift in focus <laughs> yeah. from, if I can just say it, from English to the to the most authentic translation to the Hebrew words of where our focus is. Because for so long, our focus has been the enemy this, the enemy that, the enemy this, the enemy that. And being able to shift focus, even when we started talking about the plagues. Remember with that whole twist when he gave us, you know, the plagues, like the plagues were driven for the purpose of deliverance to get his people out. Yeah. And so, so when you look at this, I mean, it's not even necessarily in this version, it's not even talking about the enemy, but what we've known is when the enemy shall come in like a flood, mm -hmm. the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard, which, yeah. which is amazing. But then when you take it back to the story he was just reading, and knowing that he's going to bring the yeah. standard in like a flood yeah. so that the only yeah. thing that's seen yeah. is the standard and yeah. the standard alone. Yeah. Because it gets super chaotic when it's not uh, logical and it doesn't make sense. That's because it's on the earth realm and people have to navigate truth versus good, truth versus not good, like whatever. They just have to discern everything that's in front of them. But eventually... Mm -hmm. Yahweh's word is going to flood out everything yeah. that's not authentic, and the only thing that will be seen yeah. at that point will be the standard. Yeah. Yeah. And but but what's so amazing is at that point it's too late for people to be like, dang it, right? You know, be, so yeah. that's why it's so hard because it's the before, it's the preparation, it's getting into the vessel, it's the building the vessel, it's staying committed to the unseen to be able to say this is what I'm going to co commit to while everyone's watching. I'm assuming trying to figure out I guess what what ship do I want to die on yeah. you know you're trying to figure you're, they're trying to figure that out but when you're committed to the unseen eventually what this scripture is saying is that when the enemy comes like a flood I am going to raise a standard so the flood is what is scary if you're drowning mm -hmm. but the, like you said it doesn't if the flood comes and you're committed to the unseen and you're in that standard yeah. then yeah. you're only yeah. going to be raised higher yeah. and higher and higher yeah. and higher so you're never subject yeah so like when he said that there's a weight we're yeah. all subjecting yeah. everyone we love yeah. to basically get in alignment with the remnant yeah but Either way, you're subject to something. Mm -hmm. So 
Mm. I'd like to be subject right. yeah, to, to building right. something that right. doesn't make any sense than right. to say, well, because it doesn't make sense, we're just going to aimlessly wait and see yeah. and then get caught off guard later. Yeah. And that, that was such a powerful scripture when he kind of reversed all that, so that pause in the Hebrew is not in that place. The yeah. enemy is not coming in like a flood, yeah, but it's yeah. Yahweh himself. Yeah. Yeah. And when you can have eyes to see and ears to hear that everything that he's talking about, some people might be like, man, that's really dark. He's talking about darkness, but it's the flood that he's talking about, yeah. and it's Yahweh. Yeah. And he wants the standard to be seen, and he's giving us a vessel to be able to be the answer in, in those times. Yeah. Driven along by the Ruach. Mm -hmm. And that Noah's name means rest. And that when you have that obedience, the ark is that protective shelter and covering. And we're able to hide in that mm -hmm. rest of him. Wow. Mm -hmm. There's the building. And it's not very restful yeah. in that sense. But then there is that rest and that shelter. And a lot of people think the flood came and went. They were in there for a year. So it's not, you know, when you said that the, it's not going to be done until the entire landscape is different. Also be loyal. Once you, re there's also a season where you realize, okay, the flood has come and you're in an ark, but then you got to wait it out. I can't imagine living inside yeah. that ark in yeah. the flood, yeah. waiting to see when it was going to, you know, you're just this dove, just, yeah. you're just, you're leaning on a dove. Yeah. Like, you go check it out. And then it comes back and it's like, now, yeah. go check it out again. Now, and you're just stuck in this boat with your family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Waiting for the landscape to change. So it's not just the beginning when yeah. we look yeah. crazy. Yeah. Once it comes, we're going to hold on, we're going to bunker in, sending out that dove, you know, yeah. and so there's this aspect of just being able to, you know, understand that he is after changing the landscape, yeah. and there is that waiting for the landscape to be completely transformed, to be able to step out and, and be sent out from that place, because then ultimately everything was sent out from that place for the rest of the whole story. Now think about this, think about Noah's family, they themselves... Yahweh picked as tools of preservation, not transformation. They did not transform anything. But because of them, the, what Yahweh's intent was preserved. Yeah. Right? So, like, when you, it, to, to me, that encourages me because sometimes, right, it's all about go out, transform, go out, transform, go out yeah. and do this, right? But at the end of the Great Commission, what does he say? Teach them to obey my commands. That was about preservation yeah. of something. Yeah. Right? And so when you think about that, it it encourages me. Mm -hmm. And it kind of puts in, into perspective what we're being called to is that we're being called to be implements of preservation. Mm -hmm. Let Yahweh do the transformation. Let him change. Really Let us just... Yeah. Lean and commit to the unseen so much so that we become implements of preservation through the darkness. What is slowly looking like a flame that is flickering out and going out, he's going to use our family to preserve that flame while he transforms the entire landscape. To where when you're called to step back out on the scene into the earth, right? you're hidden in the, in the unseen, right? 
when you're called to step out of the ark back onto yeah. the earth and you yeah. step back in the natural, yeah. man, yeah. you're it. Yeah. What was the minority is now the 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You were a small minority called to preserve something. And, and when you yeah. step out in that transformed place, you're you're all of it. Yeah. You make up everything. Yeah. Right. So how encouraging is it that. He's going to do the transformation, but he needs people that are willing to be vessels of preservation so he can bring transformation, hmm. right? I think a lot of times we might have it backwards. The yeah. Yeah. That's good. He built the vessel to ride out what he did. He didn't bring the rain. I think there's a lot of effort to transform things, but nothing's been preserved really to transform true. something into, right? What are we transforming? Yeah. If we're not, if we don't have preservation, what's the transformation then? Right. Like if we're doing the transformation, then it's just man's tradition, and you're yeah. trans, you're right. just perpetuating, yeah. right, the cycle that we just came out of. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Need for another generation to have to build an ark. Yeah. Eventually. Right. You're just perpetuating corruption. You're you're not regenerating. Anything. Um, I I did want to. Well, I wanted uh, a couple things that I was thinking about as you were talking, but um, when he was talking about in the natural, good versus true, and the counterfeit and the money. So if you get a hundred dollar bill, and let's say a five hundred dollar bill, and the five hundred dollar bill is counterfeit. Right, but if you're not able to discern it, then that's a perfect example. Like he was talking about two bills the same, that you have to have the discernment to figure out which one. But what's happening is, is that people are being handed $500 bills, and there's this automatic, well, that's better, mm-hmm. or that's good. But if you discern that that was counterfeit and it couldn't be used, you're more wealthy with the hundred dollars, even though what's been put in front of you is that you could have 500, that temptation, or looking at it at face value. It's very, not subtle, but it's, well, I mean, it's not subtle. It's like so obvious, but without that discernment, you go and you take that. But at the end of the day, if that's a counterfeit, it is just a piece of paper. There was nothing in it of value, but it looks like there's value. So not only to be able to discern something that's counterfeit, but to also recognize that, you know, Satan is going to put value on what's counterfeit so that you'll take it because ultimately you end up with nothing and you missed out on his blessing. It's the same story all the time. Yahweh doesn't give you enough, right? Are you sure he told you you can't have that tree? He's a God of restriction. He's a God that doesn't want you to have. Let me, I mean, Yeshua got it all the time. I will give you all of this. If you just give me, right, that trade isn't even equal. We don't even have to be these sly prophetic, like, discerners. It's like... It's it's like it's not subtle if that if, if that makes sense. It's like this it's this constant nagging, Yahweh didn't do enough. I don't have enough. I did but whatever he was offering or whatever you think would be better is counterfeit. So you really have everything. It's like what he's saying when you get off the boat, if there's no evil or there's no counterfeit or there's no opposition, you got it all. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. we're stuck yeah. in this yeah. thing of like 
well, do I have it all because there's this? And so you're, 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 you know, you're having to juggle these things. But being committed to the unseen means that we will then walk in our identity and live a life that is transformed because that, because we have it all. So, you know, what else happens too, when something's counterfeit, right? You might recognize right away that something's not genuine. But what happens that perpetuates the counterfeit is sometimes somebody might say, well, I know this isn't real, but this other guy doesn't. So I can still use this counterfeit to my benefit. Yeah. If somebody, if she gives me a counterfeit $100 bill and I know it's fake, but Eric doesn't, I can then perpetuate the counterfeit by just, it's it's as good as $100 if he doesn't know. If he doesn't believe, yeah, he believes Mm it. So I can, even though I know it's not real, I can perpetuate that and take advantage of that by deceiving somebody else, right? And that's how you see things that aren't genuine getting perpetuated. Maybe somebody knows for themselves in the in churchianity, Christianese, or whatever. Maybe somebody knows, hey, I know that's not genuine, but these other people don't know that's not genuine, right? And then you just start... Or the cost... Not that you even intentionally want to deceive, but the sure. cost of if I have to, so what am I going to do? Transform? Right. Like what am I, what am I going to, so okay, right. I'm trying to think of like an example. So Walmart doesn't know the difference, but am I going to be the one to go to Walmart and say this isn't working and then basically have to validate that I'm in need? I'm not sure if that's making sense. Like, it would be, not that I'm trying to deceive Walmart, but it would take, there's a cost to have to acknowledge that I, I will settle for the true 100 when I know that 500 would get me somewhere. Because then I have to then go to Walmart and deal with the fact that I only have 100 when they probably would have taken it. So it's not even so much like... I know that there's deception, so I want to deceive, but it gains us something, is what I'm saying, to continue deceiving. So like in, uh, I was just thinking of the example like church world, you know you've had that feeling. All of us wouldn't be here if we didn't have that feeling of like, I don't know if that's okay. But if you were to speak up or say something or have to shift a culture or tell someone else or talk about it, then all of a sudden you're, you, you know, so yeah. then it's almost like it's just easier to just be like, well, nobody else, does that, is, my, yes. is that making yes. sense? There's a cost yeah. to having to expose the authentic yes. is what I mean. Yeah. And then the other thought that I had, I did want to answer that question about the Torah. <clears throat> so we haven't necessarily talked about this uh, very much, but Torah So if Yeshua is the word, he always was, he always is, and always will be. So Torah did not happen at Mount Sinai except that it was given in written form. But it was always there. And when we begin to study it, we'll see it in Genesis that when you watch timelines and you watch things that happens, like like everything that happened with Isaac and, uh, and Abraham, that was actually in alignment with his times. It just wasn't necessarily spoken of, so we didn't. They weren't talking about the feast. Or when you talk about um, 
uh, Abraham would talk about how he always obeyed his commandments. Well, what commandments? Yeah. They were the Torah. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's why he is the father of these things. So even though it didn't happen until later, it always was. And Hebrew people always knew because it was always there. So just to kind of answer that question, I mean, there's a lot to that in studying. But basically just know that linear-wise, when, um, when the Torah was handed down and obviously Shavuot was, was birthed forward, that is kind of like the manifestation on earth, but the Hebrew people were always walking with those um, with those commandments and laws and even feasts. And it's super powerful when you start going back and looking at what was happening in Genesis and how they landed on feasts. Because then it gives you an eye to, there was, um, i trying to think of how to, so we know about Pesach, right? We know about what Yeshua did, and we know about Exodus. But what happens when you find out about Isaac mm-hmm. and the lamb yeah. mm-hmm. that that and that ended up cutting that whole thing off, right? I mean, and 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 then studying it, that it was at the exact same time. Like that's how intentional he is. Like Derek said it in the beginning that there is something about the freedom of no more staff meetings to figure out what is Yahweh saying this year? Is it going to be the year of faith? Is it the year of grace? Is it the year? I don't know. We don't have to. There's a map and we don't have, we just have to lean into it and we get to follow that map. And our job is to just go as deep as we want to go or as high as we want to go, but keep following his map. And so it's really, really powerful to begin to, to know those things. So. So when Moshe got that, those things, it was a the written format, but was always there. Would that be kind of similar to like the oral traditions of man being written down? It's just that those were the like man's laws, the Talmudic laws, but this was like Hebrews. They're like they they knew what Yahweh had spoken. They knew those loving instructions from my father, and they shared that with one another. Then at at uh, Shavuot, it was captured on Mount Sinai. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then, then traditions the of man would happen after that of right. like, oh, now that now we've like gotten a, it written. A counterfeit, if you yeah. will, of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like when, and I, I think we briefly touched on it, but when we were studying tabernacles, I think this last year, remember when I talked about creation, beginning? So again, it's that Genesis. It's the beginning of Genesis. You know, it's not like it says in the beginning. Tabernacles. <laughs> during tabernacles. During, taber- during tabernacles. But when you study the Hebrew, you will find tabernacling. Just like when you never caught that one word, when Yeshua came and tabernacled among us. What do you think that meant? You know, when do you think he came here? December? He came during tabernacles. So there's things that, uh, that are throughout the whole uh, Bible that are just consistent with all of that. So when he says, you know, a righteous man, he knew how to follow those things. Yeah. Or was following those things. That's good. Did you want to talk about what the day season looks like? Yeah. So, the, so I'm trying to think. We have tonight. Next week is activation. The week after that is another night, but we will probably be, if I, if, I, if I remember right, we're going to be shifting into teaching more on getting ready for Pesach. I don't know, just to reveal myself, <laughs> Pesach should have been talked about, planned, and totally dispensed and administrated like two months ago. 
we don't know anything. <laughs> well, I don't have anything. Not that we don't have anything, but where it's been, sorry, where it's been is we, we opened up for our, our first tradition was here at the home for Pesach. Then the very next year, we were back at the building because of the hotel situation. So now we're back at, you know, what Yahweh showed us here. But it's also like the night season just kind of is still here. I mean, we have like still feet of snow outside. So I'm like, what? Pesach? I'm supposed to be getting out my green plate. <laughs> like, I can't, I just, I can't even. So anyways, it's just kind of crept up on us. So the plan, I, I mean, the plan is we're still celebrating it and we're still going to, I'm I'm assuming it's going to be here, but we have not necessarily leaned in about the details and the time and all that kind of stuff. We do have the weekend, though. It is April, um, is it 6th, 7th, and 8th? I don't have my phone with me. Sounds right. I mean, it's the weekend of Pesach, so. 7th and 8th. So, obviously, we're going to be having, you know, Friday night. Definitely book out or plan out your, you know, your Saturday for sure. I'm pretty sure Pesach was our one day or Right? We didn't do like a sleepover. So we'll do a whole day thing. This is the feast where we do our fried fish uh, and we drink cups all day long. <laughs> um, uh, so, so anyway, so then we've got, so we're basically going to be preparing for Pesach, the, those last couple of uh, night, night nights. <laughs> then right after Pesach, we will basically on the 14th, we're going to be shifting into our day season. What what we felt like the day season was going to look like, granted, we are in a situation where we do not, we still do not have the building. We're actively working on that to be able to get the plumbing all to par. But at this point, we're not putting our a timeline on. It's going to be done at this point. We've got two, basically what we have found out is two huge projects are underway to be able to get it all all ready. So we're here for the time being, <laughs> which I think I've gotten some feedback is a good thing. I've had some people say that they don't want to go back to the yeah. <laughs> looking at Ryan. I've had some people say like, this is what it feels like, or it has felt like, like this is how it would feel and that not wanting to go back. And you guys all know that our vision was never to necessarily be in that building. It was part of that transaction and just being able to, um, utilize it in the meantime but for now we are here um, so we're gonna just stay we're gonna stay here but what our heart was was in the last the last summer or the last day season we would spend uh, the month kind of doing like one night of worship one night of uh, family you know discussion one night of Q&A we would one night of teaching we would kind of just switch every single night or we would just do straight up Q&A discussion with dinner and so you're doing your fellowship, your connection, and everything. What we thought this time is that we would just, just, I, what I'm feeling is that we need to, what he just said, get it into our fibers. Mm -hmm. There's something about worship, like I want it in our fibers. Mm -hmm. I don't want an hour. We never really have done an hour. We never really did that thing. But I, I don't want one night a month. I want like a whole, like so a third of the day season is going to be connection which is where we do that the connection time. A third of the day season is going to be worship, and then a third of the day season is going to be straight-up discipleship. Q, like Q&A, discipleship teaching, we're going to be going through basically the walking out of a lot of things that he's shown us. So that's the game plan. The first month is going to be connection. In the spirit, what I saw was that we really need to connect on an intimate level to make sure that everything that was taught is in us. We don't know what that's going to look like. We've had a couple of ideas that I've been told not to share. 
<laughs> so, my idea is that we would do um, like popcorn teaching. We draw names in a topic, and each people need to take 15 minutes, and you're in charge. Nice. I figured I'd share since Noel asked. But there is something. So I'm going to say that because there is something to coming and receiving versus being prepared to dispense. I want you guys to be trained to dispense out there. Why not dispense here where we can practice? And so, but I understand like it's been an intense night season and I definitely don't want to like, you know, so I don't know how it's going to work and I, I don't, we, we can, we can work on that. But there's some ideas. We're either going to do straight up Q&A. We're going to ask tons of questions. I didn't get that. I want to get this. How do we do this? Because one of the things that we are praying about is not doing a podcast night during the day season. And the only reason why is because podcast night is to really wrestle th through some things a couple of years ago, yeah. whereas we're actively engaging in daytime discipleship because we're wrestling through right here and now. Yeah. And since we're doing so much of that during the day season, I was just thinking we could kind of bring it all together. Yeah. So we're thinking about that. So it could really be just a month of that connection, intimacy, yeah. Q&A, teaching, uh, yeah. back and forth. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. But it will be here and we will be connecting. Then, the month after that, uh, what I saw was once we have it in us, like I said, there's something about learning something and then having to come and bring something. It gets into your DNA yeah. a completely different way. Yeah. All of a sudden, you are looking up those extra scriptures, <laughs> and you're digging, and you're, you know. Yeah. So once it's in there, then I want us on our face for an entire month of just, I don't want any head knowledge. I don't want any discussion. Yeah. I don't want to learn anymore. I don't want to teach anymore. We just need to get it into our DNA in the spirit, period. Yeah. So whatever we need to iron out during connection, we're going to iron it out because then we're going to get on our face and we're just going to let we're just going to let him move through us completely spiritually for an entire month. Then after that, we will be ready and refreshed and uh, prepared to get discipled in some things so that we can walk out the day season with everything he's given us. So, how, what, where, when, I, I don't know. But for now, here, and nothing's going to look a whole lot different other than just some things shifting as the day goes on. Is that it? Um, I was going to say one more thing that I forgot to mention earlier. I think to go along with the directive for day season, along with that prophetic impartation, I think as we turn this corner and we exit the night season and we go into the next uh, for us, the other thing the Holy Spirit said was to basically, like, now's the time to get your house in order, get your affairs in order, um, tie up loose ends, whatever, you know. And obviously we're, we're all wherever we're at, you know, with our house and our affairs, but improve upon the state of your house, the state of your family, the state of your marriage, the state yeah. of your relationships, the state of your finances, the state of, you know, the whatever it is. Like for me, there's projects that have we've I've been saying I'm going to do them for three years. Like I need to just get them done, right? It could be that. It could be debt. By Pesach? Huh? By Pesach? By Pesach. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you said? By Pesach? <laughs> 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 
stairs but, so we can go down the stairs to the yeah. fish fry. But no, I, I, I really have to go through my laundry room. <laughs> I really felt that, and I and I think the reason why is because what we're going to be in order to focus primarily on the unseen, like you need the yeah. scene to just be. Yeah. You need to be in order and have things dealt with so that you can commit to what he's going to show you in the unseen, right? You can't focus on that if your sink's full of dishes and you and you got, you know, you're yeah. trying to pay yeah, your yeah, debts yeah. and you're trying to, you know, find a, a job because you haven't been looking or whatever the case may be. Like, we need to get our get get your house in order is what I heard because he wants our focus on what he wants to show us in the unseen. So we need our affairs in order. Which so. that word if uh, lines up with his timing because a lot of, if we remember, Pesach leading up to is that spring cleaning yeah. where you yeah, go right. through, you yeah. activate your kids, yeah. you lift your cushions, yeah. Yeah. you're going up yeah. underneath the couches, you are looking. Yeah. For anything yeah. that puffs you up, yeah. right? You're looking for yeast. That's, yes. I mean, the concept and the the tradition is is to get rid of leaven. Yeah. Le leaven. Mm -hmm. uh, you're you are looking for any. If somebody ate bread in, I mean, that did not happen here. But if somebody ate bread in the couch and there's leaven, you are you are taking the time on earth to search out every possible nook and cranny where there would be pride left hiding left from an old season, you're not carrying it anymore, but it's stuck in your cushion. <laughs> you're going through your house yeah. and you are, you know, so just know that April 6th, 7th, 8th, that weekend, we have from now until then to really activate that, like, I don't, for you guys, I don't know, but like day season's creeping up on me yeah. and I don't want to be yeah. on April 6th being like, yeah. where's all of yeah. I, I mean, that would be me. Kids, hurry up! <laughs> Versus like, okay, yeah. we've got a little less than a month and... It is supposed to be spring, even though it's been cold, and just start thinking towards that too. What what we would call kosherize or make your home kosher in the sense that you are taking a look at everything and you are going through that process on earth because it's all the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.